0: please visit jcasnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daff Differently. My name is Joshua Culp, and we're going to study today Daff Kaf Aleph, page 21 of Masechet. Moed Katan. We're continuing in the third chapter. We're about halfway through it right now, and we're continuing to deal with the issue of Averut. There was a lot of material about Averut that unfortunately we couldn't cover because this podcast is only supposed to be 10-12 minutes, um, and it's just too much to go over the entire daf, so I highly suggest you certainly learn the material that I'm not talking about. But I wanted to go over... um, a key brighta, and then focus on a little bit on one aspect of that brighta. The brighta appears sort of in the top, the end of the top third of Daf Kaf Aleph Amad, Aleph, and it explains the main prohibitions that affect the avel. Some of which we saw in the earlier dapim. Uh, Tanu Rabbanan, the rabbis taught, Elu Dvareim Sheavel Asur behem. These are the things that an avel is prohibited from doing. Asur b'malacha. Right, An avel is not allowed to go to work. That is why when you sit shiva, right, you stay home and you don't go to work during those seven days. Ubrechitzah, bathing, washing, anything aspect of that. Ube shicha, uh which is anointing. That was sort of like the old soap or deodorant, skin care that people used back then. Um, Rechitzah and sichah are both what I would call creature comforts, so not uh doing uh washing or anointing is sort of discomforting the mourner. Not working is taking him out of his normal circle, his normal habits of life. And again, I apologize for using his. It's habitual, but avirut, as I've said before, even in the Talmud applies to women equally as it does to men. Uvitashmish hamita, in sexual relations, which probably serves both aspects. One is uh, discomfortable. He may have sexual desire, he may wish to engage in sex during the week, and he's not allowed to. Um, it also takes him out of his normal habits, perhaps of having sexual relations on regular time. And wearing leather shoes, which is another discomfort. So here we get into something that would have been very important for the rabbis. It's forbidden for the Avel to study Any sort of Torah. Now, we may, you know, probably most of the people here are uh, not thinking of this as such a painful thing. But for the rabbis, whose whole lives were probably spent thinking about Torah all of the time, you have to remember that this was oral Torah, and it required constant repetition. And I mean constant repetition. None of the Torah, except for the written Torah, the Tanakh, was written during this period. It was all Torah Al Peh. And so I can imagine that what rabbis always did, and I mean always, morning, noon, and night, generally speaking, less that they were taking care of immediately immediate necessities, the rabbis were almost always thinking about Torah and reciting their learning constantly, right? as much as possible. To tell a rabbi that for seven days you can't study Torah is going to be like agony. It'll be like telling uh, uh, my son that for seven days he can't even think or talk about sports or his favorite television show when it's in the season. Ima- imagine uh, uh, a-, a tennis fan, we just finished the French Open the other day while I'm recording this, a, a-, a die-hard tennis fan who can't talk about tennis for seven days. That would be very, very difficult. So, so he can't learn Torah, Navim, Ketuvim, the whole Tanakh, Rishnot, the Mishnah, he can't recite the Mishnah, the Midrash, the So exactly what these are. Uh, is actually something that I uh, address, or we, my co-author and I address in our new book that I mentioned yesterday, Reconstructing the Talmud. A Midrash is midrash, explanations of verses, uh, deriving halachot from verses. verses. Halachot are freestanding halachot, not connected to verses. And Talmud, probably originally in the Talmudic period, is another word for midrash, in which case it probably doesn't uh, belong in this list. Agadot are legend stories of the rabbis or biblical figures, any of the various branches of what we call the Torah Shabbat. So here's where the exception comes in. If the multitudes needed this Rav, and I, I like the phrase here, he, he doesn't have to refrain from teaching. So it happened that the son of Rabbi Yossi from Tzipori died, and Rabbi Yossi went into the Beit Midrash and know, He taught Torah all day long. It doesn't say that he taught anything different. Right, if you ask my opinion, he probably just taught his regular shir. Why did he do this? Because Rabim Tzrichimra, the multitudes need him. Now again, we're used to thinking of, oh, you take a day off, take some time off, heal yourself, Go mourn properly. Don't hold your emotions in. This is a very common way of thinking. But there may be some people out there who are so necessary for society that the, the damage they do to the multitudes, to to everybody else, by their not participating in their jobs for a week, or in what they regularly do for a week, is just too great to bear. Now, um, I don't, uh, remember, I, I'm too young to remember when, um, a president has observed a tragedy or a strong, uh, a political figure. I, I don't, it doesn't come to mind. You're going to jump on me if I'm wrong, but I believe that President Kennedy had a, um, his wife had a miscarriage or had a child that died very young. Uh, I could Google this, but then I'd have to record this entire. Uh, recording over again. I'd like to avoid doing that. But um, I certainly remember cases where uh, football players or uh, in front of a big game or a baseball player, right before a big game, somebody died. And of course, the team and the the manager, the coach, they all say, we understand so-and-so-so can't come. But sometimes those people play because those opportunities are no longer there. Once you've missed the Super Bowl, That opportunity is not there anymore. And to a certain extent, for Rabbi Yossi, every opportunity to teach Torah is an opportunity that will never be retrieved. And so I can just imagine this is his own son. This is not his elderly father. This is not his grandfather. It's his own son. Even in those days when children dying would have been a bit more common than it is now, it's still tragic to have a child die. He controlled his own emotions. He realized that what he, the service he provides to the mat multitudes, is necessary and irreplaceable. And halavai, we would all look at Torah or learning in general, uh, or various parts of the professions that we engage in. We would look at them as being so crucial. But for him, Torah learning, and for the masses, Torah learning, which was. Not something you could do from a book. It was only something that a live rabbi could give you was something irreplaceable, and he went into the Beit Midrash, and he darshaned all day long. The same thing happens in the next story. Rabba Barbar Khanna, a very famous Amora. Itra'a Bey Milta. Something bad happened to him, which is a code word for somebody died. Savar de Logume He thought not to go to the Perik, right? To the Jrasha. This is a Babylonian institution of a regular Jurashah that they would have in Babylonia. Amarle Rabbi Rabbichanina reminded him, Imhayu Rabin Srichinlo Eno Nimna. If the multitudes need you, and they do need you, Rabba Barbarchana, then you shouldn't refrain from going and giving your regular Jrasha. Savar okme so he thought to put a Maturgaman, sort of an ancient loudspeaker, so that somebody could project his voice. Right, this is an institution that we hear about in other places. Amare rav, Tanya Uubvaroya yamiturgaman. Rav said as long as he doesn't set up a Turgamon, because that's not, you should do things a little differently. Despite the fact that you are darshaning, you're giving your regular drasha, your regular Torah teaching, you should do it a little bit differently. Ve'el hachi evi, hechi How? what should he do? Right? How can the people hear him? If they can't hear him, then uh, what's he going to do without a Turgamon? So therefore the Gemara asks, what's he supposed to do? Kihaditanya, this is what he's supposed to do. Maaseh Meit Beno She Rabbi Yosi Reu Bar Yehuda Eli, right? The son of Rabbi Yehuda Bar Eli died. V'nichnasu Be'edim Midrash V'nichnas Rabbi Chananya Ben Akivia VeYashab Etzido. So he went into the Be'edim Megda Midrash, and Rabbi Chananya Ben Akavia went in and sat next to him. V'lachash, who? Rabbi Yehuda, would whisper into Rabbi Hananya ben Akavia's ears. V'lachash, Hananya ben Akavia, the Torgamon. He whispered to the The Torgamon. he shmia leRabbi, And the Torgamon, this loudspeaker, would everybody know. In other words, they found a way around it. But I think this is just, uh, you can see here just how much the rabbis were dedicated to their life of Torah, uh, teaching. Again, I, um, I certainly wouldn't hold myself up to such a dogma. I am easily distracted by things that are far less uh, ca- less important than uh, a, a death, God forbid, of a child. These rabbis, it's very hard for us to imagine the level of dedication they had to the Torah. Um, we have just become a little skeptical of people being able to have such dedication, but they were truly, truly dedicated. The rabbim needed them without their Torah teaching, people wouldn't be able to learn. There was no books. It was all Torah Shabbat. They overcame the death of their own children. And again, I am far from me saying that, you know, we should have the power, God forbid, to overcome such tragedies in such a way. This is not a model uh, for, um, for repetition for people to, to, to repeat at home. But it's something that at least I think, to a certain extent, we can admire about these uh, uh, sages.